John Deere announces the new lineup of high horsepower four track tractors including an 803 horsepower option. There's three new models introduced, the 9RX 710, the 9RX 770, and the 9RX 830. It's autonomy ready. The new John Deere 18 engine eliminates the need for diesel exhaust fluid and offers an optional 168 gallon per minute triple pump hydraulic system. Command View 4 Plus Cab receives updates for increased operator comfort and visibility. Advanced technology package includes G5 Plus command center, display, and integrated Starfire 7500 receiver. The high horsepower 9RX models available for order in mid-March. For more information, go to JohnDeere.com or contact your local John Deere dealer. I think, just think about it. When you have an autonomous tractor, what does it really need to do? Go straight and tell you where it's at. That's it. Doesn't need seat, heated seats. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> need, need a massaging seat. It doesn't need Bluetooth. It doesn't really need all yeah. that stuff. So <laughs> I think all your technology, you're going to see all the growth and technology you see on, in farm equipment is going to be... It's time to put the work boots aside and embrace the lighter side of farming. Join Corey. Shoe boys want some popsicles? <laughs> David. What I really got to know, is the juice worth the squeeze? And Tanner. All right, it's about time to wrap this baby up. As they provide insights to help your farm make more money. It's not all business, though, as they are swapping plows for punchlines, bringing you hilarious farm stories and a whole lot of laughter during their Farm for Fun episodes. Get ready for some fantastic education and entertainment on every episode where farming meets fun. In the planner, in the whatever, you know, whatever it's integrated yep. into. Dave, Corey, this is the first show that we're sitting here in our new studio. Studio's not done yet. No. It's not done yet, but uh, this isn't going to probably be the first show, if you're watching on YouTube, that you see us sitting here, but this is the first time we're recording. We'll see if we can uh, make this go smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You excited? Yeah. We've set up a lot of different places, so I'm pretty sure we can go smooth. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was meeting with a, a group of guys this morning, and I said the same thing. I said, we could record in a parking lot. It's just a matter of uh, how professional and permanent we want to make it this. It just feels oh. official. It's yeah. our own space. Do you feel tight? Do you feel? I do. I do. It just it's it doesn't feel like home yet. It's like you know you move right. into a new house and it's like I don't know where this light switch is. We don't is. have anything and on the walls. Yeah. We got, yeah. Yes. We exactly. Some, we need some cool stuff. So if you got any cool stuff to send us to like put on the walls or yeah. on this awesome custom table, heck, send it to us. I, we'll put it I up. do yeah. feel like your uh, your table design was fantastic. This is far exceeded this our. Is, expectations. We're going to do a whole show on this table. I think we should. We're going to get the, the kid that built it in here, and uh, it's completely custom. Went from a drawing, a chalk drawing that Tanner, Tanner Sidewalk chalk. Sidewalk chalk. It's not his kid's, his, <laughs> that he plays with, and, and drew it up on the floor, and boom, it just, you know, yeah. it was awesome. All right, it's time for a What's Working in Ag segment. Guys, we don't get to do as many of these as we started off doing. But what a great way to get a quick hit on something that might provide our listeners a little bit of value. Yeah, and this is uh, perfect timing for it, too. This would be great. So we are excited to have Joe Hauser joining us. He is the grower channel lead at Corteva AgriScience. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hey, thanks, gentlemen. I'm, I'm happy to be here today and spend some time with you. What does grower channel lead do? Yeah, so I'm, I'm new to the role. I'm two months in. But essentially, I'm tasked with leading the farmer strategy and programs for our crop protection business out of our Indianapolis headquarters. Nice. And he is a transplant to Indianapolis because we were thinking maybe you'd show up in studio. He's a Central Iowa native. Oh, yeah. That's right. He grew up in Greater Slater, just yep. down the road. <laughs> I saw the name Hauser coming across, and I actually worked with Joe's dad, Doug, and I was like, why isn't he not just driving over to the studio <laughs> to find out he's in Indy? So that makes a whole lot of sense. 
Should have made the trip home. <laughs> there you go. We could have done this closer to Thanksgiving. You're probably back for Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. Just a week <laughs> late. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, this is exciting. We want to hit some key value points that we can bring to our listeners. You said is grower channel lead. You get to work on the strategy. What's one of the things that you feel could be a benefit to our listeners? I think a, a big thing that could be a huge benefit to growers for this upcoming growing season would be our, our true choice offering that we have on the crop protection side of our business. So really the how it works, the the true choice offer provides the opportunity for upfront upfront savings in lieu of a rebate. So we have nearly a hundred crop protection products in the program. So really the thing I'm most excited about for this upcoming growing season would be our true choice offer. So the true choice offer is a way for growers to receive upfront savings on their crop protection products through Corteva. So it's not like, it's not like Menards when you get 11% cash back, you're going to get the cash back up front. Correct. Yeah. So it's all front. You're not waiting for that rebate at the end of the year. So it's really unique offering in the marketplace. Oh, explain the history. Cause so I sell Hogemeyer seed. So we've actually used the true choice program um, with some buying some mm-hmm. of our chemicals. This has been around for at least what, four or five years now. Yeah. It goes back to 2018 is when the program got started. So that was the, the really start of the program. We made a lot of changes, a lot of tweaks, really simplified the program to make it very user friendly, easy to understand. And there's really only a handful of components that go into it. Is there a timeline to this, Corey? Do you have to, by a certain date, uh, buy or Joe, do you have uh, a certain timeline associated with that to get that discount? Yeah, so the the grower needs to fund the account prior to March 1st of 2024. And there is a minimum of of $5,000 to fund in that account. Yep. Well, that's not bad. March 1st, Corey, you're making a lot of your input decisions before March 1st. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just got our first... uh, chemical quote i would say herbicide quote um this this week and we'll probably continue to trickle those in through you know a lot of guys want to buy on this side of the year or you know early january depending on taxes right so exactly um yeah the biggest hurdle i will say it's gotten a lot easier um since (laughs) since we first started there was a i spent a lot of time on the phone with people trying to help improve the true choice program but the biggest thing is knowing you have to fund that account Mm-hmm. That's how you can save it up front. Huh. So you're talking savings, Joe. Um, that that's always good for farmers. What you but in your in your intro, you were talking about protection, and that maybe a new role to you is is part of the protection uh, on Corteva side. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so our crop protection business. I'm I'm Heritage on the Pioneer side. So I've spent 11 years with Corteva. Majority of the time spent with Pioneer, and a little bit spent with Granular on the digital side of our business, covering the high plains down in Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, that region. Uh, But on the crop protection side, really it's all things from nitrogen stabilizers, biologicals, herbicides, you name it, really protecting that crop uh, throughout the the growing season. And those all qualify to be funded through True Choice. Correct. So that's the beautiful thing about the program is we have over a hundred of our Corteva crop protection products. So you have a full suite the full portfolio, if you will, that you can utilize uh, and purchase through the program. Huh. So any program, Tanner. Yeah. So it's not, there's not a limitation then. This gives a pretty wide range of, of availability for our listeners. Correct. Yeah. So if you're, 
looking to stabilize your nitrogen, utilize some biologicals, corn and soybean acre, you name it, it it's available through the program. The only yeah. thing it, it can't do is like a, it, it won't cover competitors' products, correct? Correct. Yep. So it would just be the, the Corteva products. Which in the, in the yep. beginning, when it used to just be DuPont before the merger and became uh, Corteva and all that, like, you know, there was there was some good products, but he, he didn't have 100 before. Mm-hmm. That Dow side that's brought, right. brought a lot in. So that's really nice to have that. You know, he mentioned stabilizers. I had a conversation with Mike Burkhart the other day, and I didn't realize that in his region, they can't put fall anhydrous on because it's yeah. too warm. Yeah, yeah, they're too far south. We had this conversation the yeah. other day. Yeah. Corey and I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Sorry, a little side note there, Joe. <laughs> Just uh, one of those things. But if we have until March 1st to fund this account, this show is coming out way ahead of that deadline. Can we start saving today? The program is live now, so you can get started today. Again, going back to what Corey alluded to, uh, if you need to spend some money for some tax purposes this year, we're open. So if you use cash, you receive 10% upfront savings if you're utilizing credit. You receive five percent upfront savings. So all the all the way through March first, uh, a lot of our funding does hit both sides of the year due to tax purposes. So Joe, if I'm a small farmer and I only have you know a handful of acres, maybe not enough to go, but I know Corey here, and Corey farms more than I do. Can I get with Corey and can we do this together? Where I just give him my money and he buys it all as one? Like, can we collude together? If, can I ask that? Yeah, so so no colluding, unfortunately. It's, okay. We track it at what what we call the operation level or our business partner level. Okay. But there is an opportunity if you don't qualify for that five thousand minimum yeah. to receive the savings, and you're just looking to finance your crop protection products. You can also utilize True Choice just for that component as well. Oh, okay. Is there is there so there is a financing option as well with True Choice? There is, yep. So you can finance your crop protection needs through our subsidiary PHI financial. Okay, nice. Is there? We talked about a minimum. Is there a top end? Do you have like big operators that spend? Uh, I mean, is there a top end of how much you can spend and save? No, there isn't. Yep, that's a beautiful thing as well. Is there's no top end max out to it. Ten percent goes a long ways. <laughs> that's yeah, big time. Yeah. At least cover your interest cost. That's fair. That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's, <laughs> Do you have to plant Corteva seed to use this program? You do not. So that 10% cash and 5% credit savings that I I referenced, you do not have to be planting any Corteva seed brands. Now, if you are planting either Pioneer or Bravant, we do have a partnership with them where you can receive additional upfront savings on top of that 10 and 5%. I got to throw back now. I I sell Hogemeyer. Come on, man. (laughs) <laughs> i know it i know it. I'll, I'll work it okay I mean, I'm, I'm new to the role but i'll, I'll right. start to treat us I'll fairly man come on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you bet you bet yeah so i i think it's kind of interesting you know as i geek out being the numbers guy there's even a calculator right on the home page and your resources tab that Corey, i dave could all go out and punch in like it says here if i punched in 500 acres of corn 500 acres of soybeans, you know, I potentially could save $9.48 an acre on corn, $6.45 an acre on soybeans, and that's only talking 1,000 acres. You know, that, that adds Correct. up really quick. So, Joe, if I if I uh, uh, need the tax write-off this year, and so I decide to buy my protection this year and uh, take advantage of this program, when's delivery date? Do Like, I don't have a shop to hold it. Do you hold it? Do I hold it? How does that work? 
Yep. So we hold it. So that, that's a great question. So we will, you're purchasing through your retailer, right? Your local retailer. Yep. So as far as product goes, you receive that whenever you decide to, to take that from your local retailer. Fair enough. How about on the re- retailer side? Is I, Obviously, like your co-ops and retailers are probably going to have this. Um, do more, can the private guys that sell chemicals get on this? So they, they need to be registered on, on their end through True Choice. Okay. So if they're a, a registered Corteva retailer, they would have the opportunity to utilize the program. Cool. So now we funded, right? We, we've got an intention to purchase these products. What happens if I don't spend all the money that I've funded the account with? So the, the funds that you don't utilize, albeit I hope you use them all, they, they come back to you. Um, during our, our reconciliation process. So any funds that you don't use, they will come back. It's a good question. What kind of timing would that be? I think we got all that back November. So it would be November of 24 is typically when we start to get those refunds back out. Okay. Well, if we're talking $1,000, probably not a big deal. But if you had $50,000 left on there, sure. you know, with the interest rates, that's some opportunity that, cost. So make sure you figure it out. might be some poor planning on your behalf yeah, if yeah. you overfunded the account by <laughs> yeah. that much. Yeah. But I know sometimes you lose acres. Sometimes Dave sells some land. And, uh, can, can you roll it over into the next year like I put into a health savings account? And then uh, if I don't use it that year, I get to roll it into next year. I wish you could. But due to system limitation, uh, limitations, we do give that money back you do uh, close okay. to the end of the year you could take yeah. it right back yep. and put it in the next year's true choice account correct just i was just thinking simplicity yep. correct or or if yep. it's yeah so it, right off uh, just like a health savings account right so, for taxes so joe before i let you go um farmer wants to get started today where do they go what do they do to get going so i always recommend coming from the sales side of our organization either getting in touch with your local pioneer sales rep or corteva retailer I much prefer an in-person conversation, get my question answered. But we do have um, an online opportunity as well. If you want to just get online and create an account, you can go to corteva.us backslash true choice to get started today. But again, I think meeting in person with your local representative would be your best be- best bet to get started. True choice is spelled without an E. Yeah. T-R-U. That's right. C-H. Yeah, I got cute with it. O-I-S-C-O-I-C-E. Marketing. Yeah. Spelling. Yeah. Ah, who needs it? <laughs> well, Joe, this has been a pleasure. I'm glad that you had a chance to come in and share this. This is real savings. This is real farm for profit information that we could share with our listeners. Yep. Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity, fellas. What, uh, what, one more question, guys. Oh, boy. Joe, what, what, uh, uh, anytime as a salesman myself, people have concerns. They always have concerns about stuff. What's a concern you've heard that maybe one of our listeners is like, yeah, I've heard this line and dance before. Or song and dance is what it should be. I've heard that. What, 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 what do people tell you, and, and can you bust that myth? So I think one of the biggest things is the complexity of the program. So again, as Corey alluded to, it started back in 2018. We've worked a lot of those bugs out. So it really comes down to that 10% cash, 5% credit, you get additional bonus if you are purchasing Pioneer or Brabant Seed. Outside of that, you pre- pre-fund your money prior to March 1st, and away you go. It's, <laughs> okay. it's really that simple, so that complexity is removed. This is like the What's Working in Ag after What's Working in Ag show? <laughs> it is. now I have a question, too. Well, What's Working in Ag was always coffee shop talk, and that, the more I more coffee I drink, the more I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. Give yeah. me your uh, top crop protection products. What are the most popular? 
So through the program, I'd say the most popular product by far is Enlist with the momentum that we've seen in the countryside. So the Enlist herbicide. Um, We've also, you know, Resicor is near the top. Biologicals are moving up in the portfolio as well. Um, But I'd say top three would be Enlist, Resicor, uh, and then Sonic uh, on the the soybean acre as well. Got some good fungicides, some good insecticides too. So, yep. Yeah, Approach Prima. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Good. Should be Hogemeyer seed. Well, well, we'll get there. Joe's new. (laughs) We'll twist his arm a little bit. That's right. New to the role. That's right. Come on, Joe. Step up to the plate. I'm hoping for you. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. (laughs) Well, thanks for having fun with us. Thanks for sharing this information. Like I said, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. Really appreciate the time. Well, what a better way to kick this off than to focus on something that Dave has expertise in as well as bring in friend of the podcast, Casey. Casey, you drove all the way from almost Wyoming yeah. to sit in the studio. Yep, I, I knew you had a new studio. I needed to come check it out. <laughs> <laughs> the very first guest ever. It's an honor. He walks in. My wife's still putting chairs together. Yeah. We've got, got no TV. Up. I felt bad for Allie when I walked in. She's got those little, you know, the little Allen wrenches that are just huh? a little. That come with it. Yeah, just yeah. a little L. Yeah. You couldn't have got her one She's in, got, a, in a drill? No, the ratchet. The <laughs> like, ratchet and my my uh, quarter inch set like is Like a nice sitting T-handle. T-handle. I hate that. My wife orders a new dresser or something off of Wayfair, and it just literally comes in a million pieces yeah. and different yeah. Allen. There's two different sizes of Allen wrenches in here? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> she has access to appropriate tools. Okay. So that's not my fault. Right. I saw something on Twitter, wherever. They had uh, the IKEA version of the Christmas tree. Yeah. And it was it was in a million pieces and you had to put all the individual needles <laughs> on the tree in there. So yeah, I was that made me that's about, yeah. I don't know if you ever got anything from there. Before. Man, that would make Man. me go cut my own down. Yeah. <laughs> that's it was funny. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Well, let's get into the topic. So we're going to focus on machinery and equipment, what that market has done, and we're also going to weave in the land market, kind of kick off 2024 with a little bit of a synopsis of 2023. But for the listeners that don't know who you are, Casey, let's fill them in. I'm Casey Seymour. I have a podcast called Moving Iron Podcast. Um, I don't, I'm on places that I don't even know that I existed. So um, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find it there. But uh Um, My focus primarily is what's going on in the equipment business, what's going on from the economics uh, of, you know, where the money's coming from to buy the equipment. And then once you have the money to buy the equipment, what's your investment worth? And I think that's that's kind of the the elevator speech of what my podcast is all about. This isn't his first time on, right? Nope. Yep. You've been on before virtually. Yep. Hey, farmers, transform your planting season and get the advantage when you use a seed tender from Meridian Manufacturing. The combination of efficiency, ease of use, and dependability. Meridian's bulk seed tenders and box seed tenders redefine how you sow the seeds of success. Meridian seed tenders are your planting partner, engineered for ease of use and designed for dependability. Visit your local Meridian dealer or dive into the details at meridianmfg.com. The Meridian Advantage, helping you improve your planting game today. It's almost been two years. I think that's about right. Yep. Gosh, when when you do this for four and a half years, mm-hmm. you you make so many friends and you meet so many experts, and then you sit there and cycle through all yeah. the all the information. Well, I don't think I was on that one. That was probably back when I wasn't doing, doing the very profit, many shows. profit shows. Yeah. So, 
yeah. you earned your stripes, so finally let you participate. <laughs> yeah, they let me in. Now it's like, where are you? Get here. <laughs> no. So I had to sort pigs. I never, <laughs> never send the where are you text. I know better than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dave, for those that don't know what you do for your day job, tell them what you do. Sure. Uh, egg land sales. So mm-hmm. primarily sale farmland across the Midwest uh, with a big emphasis on Iowa. But um, uh, if you can spell it, I can normally sell it. But uh, we specialize in farmland. You know, you might not have a lot to sell if you're relying on me spelling it. There you go. You're the uh, second Iowa land guy, right? <laughs> Is that- well, I was the first <laughs> okay, Iowa okay. land guy. Okay. Long before somebody took that Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That uh, that joke's going to run for a little while, I think. Uh-huh. I think we're going to not let that one die for a, a little bit, because I think I got another surprise in one of the upcoming recordings no. uh, oh, as well. Have old Doug on. <laughs> yeah. All right, Casey. So let's, let's just first start broad brush, okay. equipment market year over year. So we're looking at 23 compared to 22. Yep. What'd you notice? I think the biggest thing that the availability of equipment now is not an issue anymore. Obviously, go buy any lot and look and see what they've got, and they're full again. Um, so coming out of COVID and what, what I saw there, I really thought 23 would be a year that we kind of eased back into supply and, and let demand kind of slowly work its way through. But, man, the manufacturers got everything um, produced and put out at one time, it felt like. So mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, early 23, um, compared to what we saw in early 22, um, you couldn't hardly get anything that first quarter of, of 22, uh, and, and man, they, they made up for it in 23. So uh, early 23, saw a lot of stuff hit the ground, a lot of stuff move in. Um, I talk about a, I call it the scarcity premium that got put on equipment early in 21 and 22. Uh, and basically that was if, you know, no one had anything. So if you had it, here's the price. And if you don't want it, somebody else will buy it. You know, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it was. You're starting to see that kind of erode away now. Um, and not because, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are really freaking out a little bit about values that you see on machinery um, from the perspective of, oh, my gosh, prices are falling, so the economy must be bad. And that's not the case. I think supply is just catching up with demand now. And like any other big bubble, you know, when it pops, there's always a, a re- uh, correction in there somewhere. And, and that's what we're seeing right now. And I think we're going to see that spill over into 24. Hmm. Scarcity yeah. premium. I love that. I think we should... I, I've never thought of it this way, but like jumps, like push yourself like 30 years from now, and what are they going to teach about like the whole COVID 2020 yeah. era and all that? I call it like the, the TP theory or something. Toilet right. paper, you know, <laughs> right. tractors yeah. got toilet papered. Yeah. <laughs> look at it. Yeah. But, but I remember that because yeah. I remember talking with Tractor Zoom a little, a, a little over a year ago, kind of doing the same episode, and they were stating that if you wanted a planner, mm-hmm. you basically needed to have all of your stuff into the dealer because within minutes, minutes yeah. the pre-order was full yep. from across the country. And same thing went with other pieces of equipment. Yep. And and now you're thinking that that's getting a little bit more available. Yeah, because everything was allocated, you know, whether you're a deer case or echo, whoever it was, everything was allocated. And your allocation was based around you know, uh, some metrics that they came up with, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what, how they did it. But yep. um, those allocations were there. There's still things that are kind of, that are somewhat allocated. Um, cotton guys, for example, um, have been on a cotton picker allocation for, God, I don't know, probably five, maybe almost 10 years now. Okay. Um, which makes a lot of sense because 
you can't do much with a cotton picker other than pick cotton, right? You know? So you're kind of limited to what you're doing there. Um, I really thought that um, the manufacturers would would have seen what the allocations did for the the you know helping kind of control supply and demand, but they they didn't. They kind of they kind of went away from that, and now they're kind of back to a more normal schedule of, of what you would normally see as far as you're going. But but you know, kind of back to your ordering a planter thing. Um, I, these last ra- order writing periods that have come up, we didn't. People weren't selling through their allocation, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of showed you a little bit that there was some stuff out there that kind of pointed towards, you know what, man? I, th- I think we're at a point where I call them buying groups, you know. So you've got like a guy that buys a new machine, and you got a one to two year old guy, and then you got a three to five year old guy, and then a you know a six to ten year old, and so on and so forth after that. Um, I think this was just because of where, you know, uh, inflation's been, interest rates are at, and then just the price of equipment, that these people are kind of locked into these groups. Like, you can't mm-hmm. move one way or the other, right? Um, if you, you, do, you, do you have a breakdown? I was just going to actually ask you before you said that. What, what percent of people buy new of all the farmers across the board? Uh, any, kind of, any kind of analytics on that? You know, I, 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 would, I would probably say it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of um, – I don't. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm going to guess somewhere in the neighborhood of probably ten to fifteen percent of the farming population buys new equipment. Would hmm. be my guess. Okay. Because it's not. If you think about this, and you start really putting that, running a pencil to it, um, the discount structures from the manufacturers are what really allow for that to happen, right? And I think that's the. That's the, the economies of scale that we're starting to see creep into farming more than we've ever seen before. That's just another piece of that, whether it's the discounts on seed and fertilizer and inputs and everything else. You know, equipment is just as much of an input, um, and, and the functionality yeah. of what it costs you to operate that yeah. fall, is falling mm-hmm. in. And quite frankly, if you got the money to get into a million-dollar X9, mm-hmm. um, you know, start with, and you're going to trade every so often, you probably actually know your numbers a little better, right. you know, if you're trading every year than if you do... Well, I'm going to hold it for maybe three or six or, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to know. We've had a couple of listeners that have wrote in about that, about what it takes to jump into this new equipment. Usually the email starts off, how do my neighbors, you know, or something along those lines. But yeah. that's right. You know, there's a pretty good idea of what the depreciation on a single season is going to be if you know what your hours are going to run for harvest on a combine mm-hmm. or on a tractor that's going to be planting and running your grain cart. If you can get into that new machine and set yourself up on a roll program, whether it's formal or not, you can probably calculate the cost of use. And if it fits your operation, run with it. Yeah. What I've seen happen is guys will get into that thinking, yep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll. And then they end up keeping it for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see a lot of that come through. I think the one thing about if you're thinking about doing that, the roll thing is that you've got to understand what it is you're getting into. Um, if you are, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought when it comes to equipment, right? You've got the guys that want to have uh, a, a large equity position in the posi- what they've got. And then there's those that, uh, it's a depreciating asset. I have other places I want to build equity, right? And I think that's the, that's the key thing. Typically, when you're rolling something, I mean, you're not, with the exceptions of what we saw happen in 21, 22, where the price of equipment jumped up, and you could stay ahead of that depreciation curve by a long ways. Mm-hmm. You built some equity, right? Um, and just a typical 
scale, you know, of what's going on out there, you're not you're not going to build equity. And and when you roll and stuff, you have to have the mindset that I'm just doing this from the the sheer dollars and cents of what it costs me to operate. Um, more than likely, um, when I bring that piece back, I'm at zero dollars or slightly under that when it comes to what what where where my position is as sure. far as in that machine as far as being upside down or not. So if you're, if you're going to be rolling that often, is it better to buy new and roll or is it better just to do the lease program? Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to what your school thought is. If you're, if you're wanting to not worry about your depreciation schedule, you're not really worried about that. Leasing's an awesome way to do it, man. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can go in there and you can lease your stuff. You can put it out there and, you know, it's a glorified rental yeah. program, you know. Um, it's a good way to do that. But again, you're not building any equity in what you got. Right. Um, you can write off your lease payment, yeah. but you don't have any equity at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. And with Section 179 kind of dwindling as to what how that's going to work out and what that looks like, especially from the, the double depreciation perspective of that, um, I think leasing is going to get to be more important or more, uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for, more acceptable in, sure. in a long way too. And also too, with the price of equipment, um, leasing is going to be something else where you're right. just paying for a portion of that instead of all of it. And I think that's a, there's something there to that. Type Look at the cell phone trend. I was, you were thinking about upgrading every year and trading stuff. Corey, you and me both get new phones every year, right? And so we trade up, we're on the trade up program every yeah. year, even if it costs us, but even cell phones, I tried to buy the whole thing and they won't let me. Now the, the MO is you don't have a contract. Now you have to, uh, you're buying this phone, but we're going to spread it out over three years. It costs the exact same amount. I'm like, well, right. don't I get a discount to buy it up front? If they did that with farm equipment, where it costs the exact same amount to buy it over the next three years as it did to, uh, you know. Just write a check. You must be one. buying right from the cell phone carrier. Yeah. Yep. See, I, I bought right from Apple. Oh, well, I, 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 I guess I did. Thing. I just got buy you. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 I do that yeah. with my phones. I update all my technology every three years. Yeah, yeah. That's and oddly enough, that's when the warranty runs out. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's hey, there's know. a lot to be said about <laughs> factoring warranties into yeah. this. But let's circle Dave in here. You compare land markets 2022 to 2023. What's the, what's the difference? Good, good, good. Uh, it's it's plateaued. Um, I, I want to go back and just make a statement. I was thinking uh, with moving iron, We every time I think of wheels, I think of depreciating asset. Every time I think of farmland, I think of appreciating asset. So where you invest your money is interesting and where you try to build that equity stake right. we were just talking about. So as people have built that equity stake over the past, uh, since 2020, since COVID, we saw uh, prices fire up. I mean, 40% plus. Then since 2022 to 2023, from the last time we talked about it, uh, the first half of the year, we were up 8.8%. So not even 1%, as flat as you can get. And in the second half of the year, as we look at rates, uh, where things are going, we're down 0.2%. So we've actually gone back a little bit and declined in prices. I know I say it every year, markets are emotion. And I think the emotion has finally caught up with farmland prices. And what I say by that is, um, you know, if we talk with Corey right now, he says, man, my cash rents are going up. Oh, my, my inputs for next year are bad. Oh man, my fertilizer is going to cost this much. And so my emotion is not crazy positive that next year I'm going to have uh, a bunch of bankroll. If I don't have that crazy positive attitude, then I don't have an attitude to go buy farmland. Hence you see it backing off just a touch. Do you have the chart, your latest chart on here? I I do yeah. So that that's a good a good 
point to make the emotion of the buyers, which is most of the mm-hmm. time a farmer or a former farmer. And input prices are, Corey, what would you say? Fairly uh, flat from this year? No, they're down. Okay. Inputs are down. That is the shining but the biggest, of this. The biggest negative is they're not down in the same proportion that grain prices are down. No, no. I can tell you we paid $1,100 a ton for anhydrous, which is an easy one for everyone to kind of grasp. $1,100 a ton last year. This year we pre-booked over late summer for 500 bucks a ton. Mm-hmm. So we were down over half. But in season, if you wanted to buy it, it was 850 880 somewhere in yeah. there. So like, you know, half again as much. So like, yeah. Um, yeah. So in the farms I manage, uh, I, this is an interesting fact. I've talked with other farm managers and everybody asks, should we up cash rents? Okay, should we up cash rents? Well, what is the tenor of the of the crowd that's going to be paying that cash rent? Are they willing to do that? And I kind of kept mine flat. I we didn't raise anything. I thought we were good because I felt the tenor was a push that we were going the other way, and I didn't want them to feel like we were on the wrong side. A lot of my comrades I talked with, uh, Tanner, Corey, they they upped. They up ninety percent of their portfolio, and uh, you were just talking about it the other day a five hundred and twenty cash rent. One group I talked with, they said that over half of their portfolio is over five hundred dollars in cash rent. Where's the what so, no way guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Future guest. So yeah, future guest for sure. <laughs> so when you say that, and then Corey, you just went to an auction the other day. Granted, it had investment potential twenty six thousand dollars an acre. My average farm for Iowa is twelve thousand dollars an acre. That was a good. Uh, it was a good auction to go to because it literally same ground right across the street. So you literally had a forty that was budding up to. I had a chiropractor clinic. It's it's ready for houses, ready for yep. development. Twenty six two, forty acres right across the street. You know, however wide a street and two ditches are. Yep. Fifteen nine. There you go for farmland, but still. So it's a ten thousand dollar bonus in that area, right? If you already had it, and probably you know even sewer. a little bit more of a bonus because obviously everyone just saw the twenty six two sell, Correct. and then that that's so. I mean, I don't know what that percentage is, but it was a good like just snippet of the two different mm-hmm. types. But what I'm going with that is it was well attended. There was multiple bidders. So although we say, hey, is there a, a downturn? Are we going down? There's still a ton of people that have cash and still want to spend money. Mm-hmm. And they want to invest it somewhere. The guy that bought that ground came from Illinois. So he came from Illinois. He has farm ground over there and saw opportunity over here. So he invested his money. So there are still the, the, the tenor of the investment type that have cash. They're still way positive. Wow. And the way 1031 works is it puts a you're on a tipping, ticking clock. Yep. So like it, it, it makes almost scarcity out of ground. It's like, well, I got to put my money somewhere. You know, that's a good opportunity. I'm willing to spend a little bit more because yep. I, well, otherwise I'm just going to have to pay uncle Sam. So yep. I'll just do it even though I don't yeah. live there. But it plateaued would be the, would be, do you have your graph though? That's what I wanted to see. <clears throat> the, the trend line. Yes. I'll get that. Because I, I, what I wanted to say is, even though it's flat and plateaued, he still is good at making it look like it's somewhat going up. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you do. Somehow you do. Like, Every, look, it, it always goes it's, up. It's going up. It's going up. Right. Somehow. It, it is. So it's still. It's up 0.8% the first half of the year and down 0.2 or whatever. So the <laughs> now that 0.8% and the 6%. So everybody that needs to understand this, when you see something in the Successful Farming magazine, you, you hear something on a podcast. What is it? It's an opinion. Right, yeah. Iowa State University's deal, Purdue University's, Illinois University's, you know what they are? 
They're opinion surveys. The difference in my graph versus those is real data. So this is actually what's happening, and I'm tracking all the data points. So you take the sales that have happened. Yes, correct. And so you the, collect that data. The sales that are happening still say we're trending you upwards. Just take some of the low ones out so it's still trending upwards. <laughs> you can make a graph look any way you want. It's an Olympic average. Hey, I know how seed companies <laughs> take out the bottom too. But the real data shows that, yes, year over year we're going up. If you look at the past six months, looks like we're trending down. That graph looks like we're going down, but the uh, I um, have Dave start doing our podcast graphs. <laughs> we're gonna look See, like right there. There's what you're looking for. Climb, climb in the mouth. Year over <laughs> year, we're going up. Uh-huh. Six months, we're going down. Okay. So it it all depends on how you represent the data that's out there. Yeah. The way that the Realtor Land Institute, the two figures I gave, where we're down. Uh, 0.6%. That one is a survey. So they just asked all the 185 realtors that sell farmland and bankers and attorneys that are all involved in the farmland market for Iowa. And their opinion was that we dropped this percentage. Yeah. What I'm trying to figure out is you might have a sale two or three weeks apart, a mile apart from each other, really no difference in ground type, same amount of acres. And there can be $10,000 difference in in ground, one might sell for at least nine six. or ten. Yep. You know, there's some no sales over by Ogden at, at ninety two hundred, and then a couple miles away going for fifteen. So, plateaued with with uh, volatility. It it really depends on your neighbors. Yeah. If you got good neighbors that have strong uh, uh, equity stakes, you're gonna have a strong auction. So it's really important to know your area before right. you, if you're gonna sell or buy. So Dave's kind of given us a little bit of a. Uh, an idea of classes, like I said. It depends on your area, depends upon your neighbors, depends upon your soil type. What about in the equipment market? Has there been stuff in 23 that sold better than others or has become more available? Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the, at the auction market, what you see happening there, I think in 23, auction values started somewhat of a slide to where we're at today. Um, you know, in 21 and 22, I mean, it was, if you had it, it was, there was guys buying stuff at auction for 10 grand more than I had asked, had advertised for, you know I mean? So it was, it was just, if you had it, it was available. Hashtag auctions work. That's right. right. Until they don't. But to your point, (laughs) well, to your point on the auction thing, the auction, I love going to watch auctions. I love going to watch auctions. And I think auctions are a great cross section of society, right? You have the people that are there to just, it's a social gathering and they're, they're there to hang out, right? You got the guy that's there to see what stuff brings, maybe interest in a piece or two, and then you got the other guy that's there that's no matter what happened today, I'm I'm by God, I'm buying something, mm-hmm. right? And you go watch this thing and kinda of to your point on, on the land sales you're talking about, I've watched a million auctions where two days before you go watch a combine sell, exact same combine sells and it brings hardly anything. And then you go to the next auction, and two guys get in a, in a pissing match, and, and they end up paying $10,000 more than this one brought. And this one over here has been kind of the norm, you know, of what the, of what the actual auction average has been within, you know, a, a tight, you know, tight radius or so. But you'll watch that happen, and then, you know, you throw internet bidders on top of that. Mm-hmm. And those guys are bidding on, they haven't even seen it, so they have no idea what they're doing. They have, and these two guys, are, and I always love watching the guy that, it's there that stops bidding. I don't think he stops bidding because that extra $100 or $1,000 is just going to bankrupt the farm. He knows something that the guy on the internet doesn't know. And he's, he's like, okay, cool. Well, you can, 
you can deal with whatever whatever right. I'm seeing you know, right. when it gets to you. How important is the description? Because I just did an appraisal on equipment uh, two mm-hmm. days ago. Talk about combines. I had one at 120000 and I had one at 220000 I had a $100,000 spread on this model of combine I was looking at with an average at one seventy-five. Mm-hmm. But then I started looking deeper to make sure because some just said the model. Then some said it had the premium cab. Some said it was power rear wheel drive. Some said it had uh, bin extension. Some said it had auger extension. Some said, and then the hours, of course, step right. hours and whatever, make a world of difference. Some had Goodyear, some had Michelin. I mean, you, super singles versus mm-hmm. duels. All the little details really add up. You can have the same doggone comment. Yeah. One has a bush light wrap, one doesn't. I mean, right. you know, and so if it does or it doesn't, can really change. So it's really hard when you're praising that value of that to look at, the, all the different uh, little things about it. And then quint- yeah. condition, flat yeah. out. And that's, that's the other thing, too. Is, yeah, 100%, man. You have, uh, you have the descriptions that you have in there. You know, on combines, you know, m- me and Aaron Phillips on here all the time, we joke about, about the, five, the five Ps. Power rear wheel, power cast, power bin extensions. Um, uh, he's going to hate me now because I just forgot what the other, <laughs> other two were. But anyway... <laughs> There's those there's those five things out there that are that really dictate whether or not right and power bin extensions pro drive, pro drive yeah I would, you, you look at power bin extensions and you wouldn't think that that would be that big of a deal right when they came out I'm like what do you need power bin extensions for how often are you actually folding those down right <laughs> all the time <laughs> come to find out it's pretty. It's a very it's handy. It's a handy thing to have because a lot of guys out here will see, especially where um, in areas like this where there's um, more trees than yep. where I'm at, right? Yeah. For example, uh, bridges and those kind of things. Power lines. Power lines. Those kind of. You can fold that stuff down as you're going down the road, and then you can fold it back up when you get there. You don't have to get out. Same reason that'll bring <clears> more <throat> money is the same reason that online bidder will give two hundred more dollars. Right. Convenience. Oh, yeah. We pay for convenience every day of the week, and we pay for accessories. Uh, I'm sure your truck has heated seats. Convenience. Yeah. You didn't need it, but it costs more. Yeah. But we but we got it. Uh, even at the store, we'll pay more for a water than we could just get, wait a second and go home and get our water. But right. we, I will stop at Casey's and get yeah. a Bloomin' Water and pay yeah. $3, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But it was convenient, and it was in front of me. You wouldn't think power bin extension, convenience, yeah. flat yeah. out. The reason I'll get more online, I didn't have to travel all the way to Illinois to look at that. Sure combine they got the pictures they had the video i'm confident that the auction company was good enough that they gave their description they told me if there was any errors in some of my auction descriptions guys i'll actually if i know there's anything wrong with it i will make sure to put that in there I want everybody to build trust with me online and if this guy was willing to tell me about this little scratch on this side of the defender then i don't have to worry about the transmission being out that they didn't tell me about that's correct <laughs> how much <laughs> first power bin extension because yeah. i our shop was built in 1993 and combines weren't that tall yeah right. and, and i had to take the dang thing down every time if i wanted to work on the combine in the shop but how much power do i have a purchaser on an online auction have i mean there's all that fine print so i'm sure the auction company has the power said nope all, all sales are final but if they blatantly misdescribe Mm-hmm. the option and i've had it happen on auction time a bunch oh yeah that's you know you know what this this semi's got 
all aluminum wheels and then all the inners are steel wheels. It's like, well, that's <laughs> clear that it's, you know, it's, it's a small thing, but right. like I've had some other things that were like, really, you know, yeah. that the power jacks that I bought, they didn't even give a description of whether they were three phase or not. And they came three phase. Like, yep. Well, I guess I should have known. Right. But how much, how much power does a purchaser have or what can they do to go back on a auction company? No, I, don't, I don't think very much because yeah. I've seen people try and fail. It, so. It's that tried and true, as is, where is, yeah. buyer beware. I was going to say, so, you know, yeah. different states have different rules for it. Our combine that we bought on auction this last summer had all this stuff listed, been through the shop, had the sheet of the shop listed. So, oh, you know, $14,000 worth of parts. No big deal. That's a normal combine through the shop in the, you know, off season. And so we ordered all those parts before the combine even came to put on there. And then we started going through and going, wait, this is perfectly fine. And then started finding stuff that wasn't. It's like, what combine went through the shop? Because it wasn't this one. (laughs) You know, ended up being $30,000. So as an auctioneer, I try to be as transparent and find the third-party resource that can give you the information. So like even on my appraisal, I went and got build sheets from the dealer Mm -hmm. on all of that. So that I was cross-referencing the serial number to do the best job we could for the client to know. Sure. I, you know, it does this have the the Red Sea package or does it not? I don't know if it does because it's hard to just see by looking right. at the outside. Mm-hmm. So I went and got the build sheet and and this is where dealers have the advantage or guys with all the software do. And if you have that, then I can tell you the would be buyer, hey, not this is what I know about it. Here's the build sheet and they did it sound like here is what it's been through the shop, but maybe it wasn't right combine. I will say recourse wise, I try to make it right there, but I have a I have a point of contention as an auctioneer with the seller now. I had a combine that I sold that had a globe on it. Well, sure enough, they took the globe off, transferred mm-hmm. it to their sprayer. When we go to sell it, but the picture I took had a globe on it. So the guy that bought it in South Dakota, where the hell's my globe? Yeah. You know who paid for that? I did. Yeah. So I, there's companies that, you know, he made the statement. I said, sure enough, it doesn't have the globe. I go back to the seller. He's like, hell, I'm keeping that. Yeah. Well, you just screwed me and my company out of, right. you know. I will say that combine, we went down and looked at it yep. in person because I wanted to see it. And I had pictures of it on my phone. They had pictures of it online. When the trucker went to pick it up, the windshield was at this giant crack in it. Oh, yeah. And while well, someone mowing the yard between the time the auction went and oh, threw really? a rock yeah. up and threw it. The uh, the company selling it actually did pay for the windshield. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's about what forty five hundred bucks that yeah. you don't really spend. It's a piece of glass is pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I know that when we did this show the last time, we were focusing on uh, row crop and mid size tractors that it was really hard to get a hold of. Those were a tough market if you wanted to upgrade, and there was a lot of our listeners that. You know that's what they've been waiting for. Right. They were running their their twenty series or sure. their thirty series tractors. When you think John Deere, you know they they were ready to upgrade, just couldn't get a hold of it. Yep. Yeah, do we see that market recovering, or what do you think is going to happen with yeah. real crop tractors? So real crop tractors, there's there's an adage in the uh, in the equipment business that you can never have too many real crop tractors. I think we're going to test that mark, that theory <laughs> in 2024. Uh, there's a ton of real crop, you know that. 300 to 300 400 horsepower row crop tractor there's a ton of those out there right now and there's um you're starting to see that market start to kind of curve a little bit um the compact utility tractor market is still there's still a lot of those out there and what's kind of digging that market into a hole is all the manufacturers have zero percent financing forever oh, really? on the new side and a lot of them have you know zero percent financing for i think one of them's out there to 72 months and maybe even 84 months. You know, wow. That stuff. Free money. So, and you then you, you beat that up against uh, the machine out there that's got, um, 
you know, maybe five or six thousand dollars less for that used one, but you're paying eight and a half percent interest on that. Yeah. Do the math on that and tell me which one's cheaper or which one's a better deal, you know. So you're seeing that that market still have some that's really having some some bumps right now. Um but I, I, I do have my concerns. I don't typically have concerns about about the row crop tractor market. But I think this is this this year is gonna see some big liquidations come through where there be more than just combines being dumped. It's gonna be some row crop tractors. Do you think combines are being dumped right now? Oh yeah. Combines kinda of went through there. So my you know, the old adage is if you have if you're a dealer and you have more than one combine, you got a combine problem. So yeah. <laughs> um, but if I think as you're looking at what's going on now, you saw a lot of combines get took to auction. Um started early this year like ridiculously early like uh like june you started seeing some really big liquidation sales in june and typically you don't see those until the end of the year because guys are trying to time that mm -hmm. tax you know the tax thing with the auction deal and and there were some really big sales that I, that really shocked me that were going to be that because I, I, I always thought that with the, with the more and more of these auction companies going to an online presence where they're going to have multiple um you know, auctions throughout the year where you could have, um, you know, like auction time is a good example of that, where you can have every week they have an auction. Yep. Right. And so I thought more and more people would be kind of trying to disguise their liquidation strategy because I'll put, you know, a bunch over here and then the next week I'll put some more in here and the next week I'll put some. And that way you don't have this big 40 combine, you know, 60 tractor type auction thing happening all at once and i i, I was wrong it so was really didn't happen what pushes that because i literally i felt like the salesmen were literally telling me we don't have anything to sell we don't have anything to sell and then all of a sudden it was 40 combines 40 john deere combines yeah. on a on an auction i'm like why wouldn't you give those to the salespeople to to sell yeah. that so I think a lot of it too is, I mean, not not only is it cost you guys a bunch to go out and buy equipment, and from from the interest perspective, the floor plan interest these dealers are messing with now is huge. I mean, some of these guys we used to talk about when I first started in the equipment business, we had twenty million dollars worth of total used inventory. Mm -hmm. Now you got twenty million dollars of, I have twenty million dollars of corn heads. You know what I mean? Yeah. So or combines or whatever. I mean, some of these guys the other day I was talking, they had forty million dollars in. And just roll crop tractors on this at their dealership. And it's big dealerships, but I mean, so you do the math on that at eight percent interest and you know, forty million. So, you know? so they're they're burning. They're trying to they're trying to liquidate the stuff as fast as they yeah. can. So let's hit the big uh, implements that uh, are out there. I've seen tractors stay pretty steady. They seem to always hold value. Let's talk about uh, with combines. You think they're going down or up? Oh, they're going down. Okay. How about planters? Planters. I think planters are a weird animal, man. I think. Um, so, kind of go back in time a little bit. 2012, the last big boom we had, everybody went out and bought 24-row planters, it felt like. And they, you know, back then you could get a 24-row planter and put all the stuff on it, and it cost you about 225000 bucks, 250 something like that. Um, we had the collapse in the market, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 time frame. I don't think you could sell a planter unless you sold it at an auction because there would be tree rows of planters and, and drills and those kind of things at the dealership. Well, ever since then, that market never rebounded. It, uh, it was like a one-for-one one deal, like a one-in-one-out. You, you sell a new one, you take a used one on trade, the used one to get sold, you take that trade. It was like a perfect harmonic ecosystem where everything worked like it was supposed to. Um, then COVID ha happened, and it, and it made it even more tight than where it's at. 
But I think the kicker about planners right now, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot across the entire spectrum of the equipment business, is these upgrade kits that you can put on the planners now. Mm-hmm. You no longer have to have a new planner to get the newest technology, right? Mm-hmm. I could have a 10-year-old bar and put the latest and greatest technology on it, and it's, it's a new planner, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a deer, they give you a new cereal plate. I mean, it's, it's a whole new deal, right? The precision planning side of that, the guys that are building these planners on bars in, in, their, in their welding shop or whatever they're doing, um, you're seeing those kind of things happen. Where I think now what makes a planner valuable is to, uh, to what point can you upgrade it to, right? How far back can, how old is my bar be until I can upgrade ah, it? You never thought of it that way. So I think that's the kind of thing. Now, on the precision side, I've seen guys take a finger pickup from the 80s and, and upgrade it, and, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a brand-new planner, right? I'm, I'm interested to see when manufacturers start going, all right, before you can hang any more new row units on this thing, you need to x-ray the bar to make sure it's got the, the strength to actually right. make it work, right? <clears throat> right? Or, hey, you know what? After 10 years, we're not going to sell you an upgrade kit on a, on a whatever bar, right? Hmm. I think that also is going to start to spill over um, with this technology stuff. I had this conversation with a guy the other day, you know, when the autonomous tractor comes out, right, and they have the fully autonomous dual deers talking, by 2030 they're going to have the fully autonomous tractor farm thing. So <laughs> what's that look like? And then are you going to have an upgrade kit that goes back to that? Well, let's just say it's whatever. Say it's 2018, right? 2018 is the year that you can go back to. What's your 2017 tractor worth now? No. Nah. You can't upgrade no, it, right? Not as much. What's your 19 worth, right? There could be, the 2017 could just be completely worthless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, because there's going to come a point when whatever globe is on that machine is not supported anymore. It's a new ITC receiver that you can't support anymore. So now you've got a tractor that cannot drive itself in any facet. What's, what's it worth? And that's, that's something that I've really been thinking about hard is that as this new equipment comes out, because, you know, when I first started in this business in 2006, you know, you'd get a, a new amazing thing every couple of years, right? You'd get to see something pop up. Or there'd be some new fad, and I think, you know, tillage is a good example. There's always been, about every five years, there's a new tillage fad that comes around. But now you're looking at stuff where you might see whatever software or whatever implement came out, and in six months, they've already updated it to... Something An even better. better version of what it came out with. So now you start looking at that, and you start looking at these machines. At what point is the value of the machine starting to dictate? Because it's being dictated by what it can be upgraded to. Hmm. And I think that's something that, as this technology comes out, as if guys buying equipment, you should pay attention to that and really ask those questions. It might be the same if we're still staying on that tune. So we talked planners, we talked uh, uh, combines and tractors. What about stay with planners just for a sec? Because I I remember when you and I did our first show on this, it was the difference between a smart planner and a dumb planner. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking last year that it was the difference between a fast planner and a slow planner. Yep. It's interesting when you talk about tractors, it could go back to a smart tractor, tractor or a dumb, a dumb tractor. tractor. Sorry, go ahead. I had to throw that in there. What, uh, what about uh, uh, rogators, sprayers? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've upgraded that. We went from three wheels to four wheels to do it yourself to let the co-op do it to drones. Yep. What, what do you see in there? This, the scene spray stuff and, and that deer's rolling out with the scene spray ultimate, what they're doing there, what you're seeing with, um, I mean, Agco's going to roll out something kind of similar to it. And what that looks like. 
that's the first machine that I think that I can, I can point to and say, this is the generation where technology is going to pick a winner and a loser, right? Um, assuming that that stuff works like it's supposed to and it does, you know, knock your whatever you're spraying down by 70%, yeah. that's a big savings, right? That's a huge amount of money yeah. that you're saving. Now, you're paying a huge amount of money for the machine that you're getting and the subscriptions Did, and all Guys, didn't they have a puck kit as well? Yeah, they do have a puck yeah. kit They, for they that have as a well. puck kit that you can yep. performance yep. upgrade on that. Yes, and I, I don't quote me on this, but I want to say it's like 2015. Yeah, okay. And you have to have the machine you have to have has to have a exact apply, I believe. Okay. I can say uh, we got a 2011 Hagee, and it wasn't a John Deere puck, but it was another brand's puck. That way they could upgrade. It was yep. like fifty grand to yep. do a hundred twenty foot boom. Yep. Hmm. So now think about that. Kind of goes back to my earlier point. You can't. They just already put it out there on sprayers. What's a fourteen worth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing yeah. happens with iPhones. Yep. Now my thirteen's not worth anything. Your iPhone sprays your yard. Supposedly it's your Apple watches too. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> that they're going to stop making certain Apple watches because it's got a patented piece in yeah. it that the they heart can't rate monitor thing. Or yeah. Whatever it is. Yep. Huh. Blood pressure still. But I, I think I think sprayers, when I'm looking at sprayer market right now, sprayers mm-hmm. to me is, is the one thing that I've always been able to point to when working with a farmer that this is this is this the one machine that will save you money or make yeah. you money. And I think sprayer the sprayer market right now is in a good spot where I don't think there's that it's that completely flooded. But again, these things are wicked expensive. Yeah. Gotcha. So trying to find that the guy that has the four hundred thousand or five hundred thousand yeah. dollars to buy the used one, that's that's a, that's where that problem starts to come into play. What I my challenge is I I'm probably in that buying group that would be more five to ten years old. He didn't go far enough down. <laughs> five to ten years old, but I like the technology. My yeah. dad's a big technology guy and all that. So like, my concern with all this is you know normally you should just be nozzles and pressure right speed nozzles pressure and now we have all these electronic wires and i know we got ams in the spray we're spraying chemicals that are corrosive and Mm -hmm. electronics they don't mix very well like what is the life of that and now you're trying to move me into that uh category that's changing every so often because i don't want that to go bad because otherwise it's just a big paperweight that so it's like def on your semi right i don't want it i don't want it so you know, you might see that? some dumb tractors sell for more than smart tractors. Well, yeah. I think I think tractors are are in in the really becoming. They're going to be the dumbest thing out there. I think all the technology is going to be behind the tractor. I think just think about it. When you have an autonomous tractor, what does it really need to do? Go straight and tell you where it's at. That's it. Doesn't need seat, heated seats. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> need, need a massaging seat. Doesn't, doesn't need Bluetooth. It doesn't need all yeah. that stuff. So <laughs> I think all your technology, you're going to see it, all the growth in technology you see on in farm equipment is going to be in the planner, in the whatever you know, whatever it's integrated yep. into. On the implement. I, I actually talked to a professor from the Ohio State University. Well, there you go. And uh, I hate it when they do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, they've got a whole program that they've got a grant fund for that they're literally trying to figure out ways to make tillage tools smarter. How do you apply a center, a sensor to a field elevator sweep, and make sure that it's still there mm-hmm. before you know if you change your sweep or not? So yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting to hear where the studies are being done yeah. on the collegiate side mm-hmm. to provide the data, which is eventually going to go into the manufacturer's hands. Sure. 100%. Oh man, how expensive is that tool going to be? <laughs> I imagine that's like a vibration sensor, probably. Yeah. So I think the same one. That you're, I'm not going to go. There. We'll save that. <laughs> The toothbrush. Let, that's right. Yes, the toothbrush. Same thing that's in the you toothbrush. You mentioned DEF, though. Are, are DEF tractors uh, still bringing a premium? 
or the non-deaf. Oh yeah, yeah. You still see those out there. You see, and especially something like I looked at one the other day. A guy called me about, and it was a seventy-eight twenty, if I remember right, and it had pretty low hours. It only had like four thousand hours on it, but it was a you know pre-deaf tractor, obviously. And there were guys out there asking a hundred thousand dollars for it, hundred twenty thousand. I don't think it even cost that much when it was new. Yeah. <clears throat> and which you know you make that joke about forty-four forties and stuff like that all the time when they were you know fifteen thousand dollars when they were brand new or whatever they were. But you start looking at something like that, it was probably close to eighty thousand dollars new or something like that. I have to go back and look, but you still think about the tractor with four thousand hours on it, and it was new, eighty thousand dollars brand new, and you're still they're asking. Seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it going to be? I use the analogy pickup trucks. People ask me when farmland prices are going to go down. I said, "Well, tell me when I can buy a pickup truck for twenty-five thousand again." Right. It's not going to no. happen. Are we ever going to see tractors go back that way? I, uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think these these upgrade kits are going to do one of two things. I think technology where it's at now. If you're not Gen One, if you're Gen One, and your neighbors are at Gen Four, Gen Five of that technology, they're going to have a strategic advantage over you. Um, that being said, these putt kits and, and these upgrade kits and stuff that you see out there, I think you're taking the piece of the technology that everybody wants. Mm-hmm. And instead of me having to buy a $800,000 platform, yeah. I buy a $50,000 platform yep. to make it do what I need it to do. I think that is going to open the door to more people to be, to, to be in the technology game and really do that, but it's going to be, you know, $250,000 at a time and not yep, a million dollars at a time. Right. It reminds me of a commercial that I heard for a razor for just for shaving. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're, we're not a company that focuses on planned obsolescence. We want to focus on a quality product. We're going right. to sell you quality product once or twice a year rather than knowing that every 30 every days, yeah. yes, you got to put that together. Yep. It, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate about planned obsolescence when it comes to equipment and machinery, but it feels like it, a lot of things are going that direction. Your iPhones, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, whether they can prove it or not, it just seems like after year three or two, your battery starts to yep. go away from you. So we'll, we'll move on from that debate. <laughs> I want to I get from Dave, the sellers of the land that we've been uh, seeing sell this year. And uh, we'll piggyback a little bit into Casey on, on what he sees for that. Who's been selling the land? Estates. Still estates. Estates, trusts, uh, receiverships, um, and bank trustees. So that's a lot of the same as last year. It is. And so that is normally our number one seller is always somebody that inherited ground that has uh, – um, twice removed from farming. So second generation, their parents didn't even farm. So they live somewhere else. They inherit it. They they see that there's value there. And uh, normally one of the heirs to the throne wants to sell. And they might force the hand of the other heir that does farm and is connected, but they got half interest or they have a third interest. And um, in Iowa, it takes a quarter interest to be able to force the hand. You have to have at least 25%. Right. So they rewrote that rule. But those are the people, trustees. Uh, so the other one that I'm seeing more of, as our baby boomer generation kicks up and they head to a nursing home, that's expensive. That's true. That's way expensive. So um, three, three clients this week, and they all had the same message, is my wife needs to go to the nursing home. I need the money. So the money this week, I don't want to sell the farm. I don't want to pay capital gains. But... It's very, very expensive to be uh, um, adult care. Mm-hmm. And yep. so with that being said, I think you're going to see a bigger trend in that. So then the method of sales. Last year, it was almost exclusively auctions. There wasn't very many listings. Mm-hmm. 
Are we still seeing that trend, or is there more listings? Uh, we are still seeing that trend through 2023. Into 2024, you're going to see auctions back off. And the reason it, this is what you'll see. Good stuff sells good. Same with equipment. Bad stuff sells bad. Mm -hmm. The good stuff still has competitive bidding. People still want it. So that will be competitive bidding. Auctions work when we have competitive bidding. If I only have one bidder out there and that's it, and I'm the realtor and I'm making that decision, I'm thinking, man, they're, those guys that had to borrow money, they're out because interest rates are up. Those guys that, are, that were investors, well, geez, they can get 5% on a T-bond now. I only get two and a half in farmland. Now my investors are out. Who do I get left? The one farmer who was the neighbor that wanted it. Uh-oh, I don't have an auction anymore. Mm -hmm. Tell you what, I'm going to list this. Here's the price. And then they have the fear that someone else might come in. So they still pay a little bit more than Correct. they would have at auction. So you'll, you'll see either sealed bid auctions to where you don't know who's bidding against you. And you give the price you want, highest and best. Or you will see, um, I actually booked one yesterday. It's going to be a sealed bid auction for a different reason. That's because it's development potential. Right. What but, about the amount of acres? I know you said the, the price, but is it more or less over last year? We are pretty pretty right on. So let me look here and I'll tell you. Yeah, we are pretty much right on for acres. Our uh, our November this year actually had more than last year. We sold about 24th. So November is the biggest month. So just comparative on November. We did 24,000 acres this year in 23. Mm -hmm. Last year, we did uh, 20,000. Now, some of the middle months, the June, July, August, they're getting more and more every year, but uh, we're pretty pretty even on acres. We've backed off just a little. Yeah. That being said, this time of year, normally I have 120 auctions going into March, January to March. So we're already planning for the next three months. Right now I have 61. So we don't have as many sales going. You're already half. I'm already half of what I'm, what, what I'm seeing for next year. So I think we've burn through a lot of that, you're going to still keep seeing those people. Now, if somebody has 1031 Tanner and they find the right farm that they want to buy, Corey might be a good example on this. He might have trading stock somewhere. Still farms it, still makes money on it. But when that farm next to him comes up, he's going to be a seller. So that, that the 1031 buyer is also the seller. Right. That that's kind of like your planner example that you gave to where the, perfect. the, guy, the guy that ordered it and then it next yeah, one and next right. one and next one. So you might yeah. not see a lot of large auctions. You may see uh, strategic movement. Now back up to 2020, uh, Biden administration came in. And when he came in, we uh, had a big threat of losing 1031 tax deferred exchange and a threat of losing 179 deduction. Uh, we'd lost our uh, 1031 on equipment. We can't do that anymore. Okay, um, the guy sat in my office this morning and he said, well, they're gonna get rid of that 1031. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> and he's like, I'm telling you, they are the administration, they wanna get rid of it. So- they, would, There will literally be tractors driving to Washington. There, there will happens. be. I like think it, it is, is such- Where is that, over in fr uh, France or something yeah, right yeah, now? <laughs> yeah. It is such a big tool that people use. I don't think they could ever get rid of it. But if they did, holy smokes, it would change our market in, in a heartbeat. We're going to have an interesting show with a guy that actually has a pretty good case to get rid of it. It'll, it'll be interesting. Really? It, it will be an interesting conversation. That'll be 24 conversation all right i'm looking forward to that <laughs> yep yep so when we look at the equipment market you know we know who dave's got for sellers on the land side are you you know i feel like when we talked with tractor zoom last year there was a lot more farmers operators just sending it to auction 
whether it was auction time or, or whoever was doing it through Whitaker, whichever it was, that they knew the market was hot, so they didn't need to rely on trading it in. I'll right. just sell it, and I'll go get my upgrade. Right. Are we seeing more stuff go to inventory and just be listed with a price? You know, you still watch. You look at equipment prices now, and even though they've slipped from what they were, um, they're still getting. They're still seeing a lot of good stuff out there. I think one of the reasons people do that, Tanner, or they did, is Corey wants a new truck, but he needs to sell his planter. Mm-hmm. How do you trade? You you can't trade in your planter for a new truck. You can't trade your sprayer for a new tractor. I've seen a combine sitting up at the Dodge dealership. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. But so an auction. uh, You can really tell the price of trucks have gone up. (laughs) An an auction brings everything back to cash. The currency that we want, then go buy whatever the heck you want. Mm. So I think that is a reason that auctions are a method versus a dealership trade. And I think you're seeing the one thing I think, where the equipment side of it isn't necessarily thought processes into take it there is that you always have that looming thing behind you on a combine or whatever it is that I might owe $225,000 on this thing. And I take the auction and I lose a hundred grand. I got to come a hundred grand more than likely when you sell a piece of land. You're not, that's not in your head. Right? So I think that you're seeing that there, you're seeing more stuff go into, um, back to dealership inventory. I mean, a lot of people were selling their stuff online. You know, Twitter's full of that. You know, I've got a whatever, and they're, they're selling it and let, letting it go. Um, you see a lot of those um, episodes out there where, I can't remember what I was watching the other day. It was on YouTube something. But, you know, a guy was talking about how he he made a bunch of money by selling his equipment himself. And, and uh, you know, I'm, of course, I want to go into the comments and go, I'm going to tell you why you sold, made so much money mm-hmm. selling it yourself, because you, you hit the perfect wave, right? Yep. And Do it, you think... I've seen a trend, but I, I don't watch it close enough. Guys that call me, they want to sell one or two pieces. Yeah. They don't want, we don't see whole farm sales anymore. Now, I have one in March coming up where somebody passed, let's sell everything. So we used to think of buying trends and selling s- trends. And so the buying trends, it, we used to go to an auction. We were like, hey, Johnson, they're having an auction. Well, what are they selling? I don't know, but they got ta- walking tacos. Let's go, right? right? It was an event. Yep. We don't have time for events anymore. Yep. Our attention span is much shorter. Now, if Corey wants something, he specifically looks for whatever he wants. I know mm-hmm. I want a this seven class combine or class seven combine. Right. And he specifically searches out that combine. He doesn't care what the Johnsons have for sale. I'm looking specifically for this combine with this. Yep. Or I'm looking for this piece of tillage. And some of the guys that I have selling, the tax implications, recapture tax on any of this is, I can't, Dave, I can't sell all that this year. Tell you what, sell one tractor this year. We'll do another one next year. I'm like, what? Let's sell everything. Let's make an event of it. Nope. And so this is where I think the online platforms have just powered ahead. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't COVID at all. It is, can I sell one piece? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, so I, I thought for the longest time that um, what Sullivan had going, Sullivan Auctioneers mm-hmm. had going for where they did, really hammered the internet auction side of it and did the live thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like the, the best of both worlds. Yep. You had this, like, and I love going to auctions. That's one of my favorite yep. things to go do. Um, but now, you, you, if you find someone that's having a live auction and they're going to have proxy bid on it, it's like, oh, my God, they still do that? You know, because yeah. it just doesn't happen anymore. Yep. <clears throat> and I think you look at, like, um, you know, like what Big Iron started doing clear back in, early 2000s when they were looking and they came on and we're just internet only mm-hmm. and I'm like well, that's the dumbest thing on the planet why someone has to have an internet and they have to like they're going to trust these pictures that you're getting you know 
And look at them now. I mean, it's it's really it's really moved. Yeah, yeah they people, bought Sullivan. People like Corey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. People yeah. like Corey bid and end yeah. up never going to see what it is until yeah. it pulls into no, his I've gotten screwed so much on online <laughs> auctions. Like the the whole retirement auction is a value to me. I will overpay for that because I know the farmer, yeah, exactly. and I know I saw that semi trailer going up and down the road. Yep. You know, every few you know, just a few months a year, and it yeah. wasn't on the road every yep. day in the salt. I and told fifteen percent yeah. is what if it's if I put retirement on it versus yeah. consignment, mm-hmm. it's at least a fifteen percent increase. Yeah. I've told my in laws they need to retire about every six years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 your in laws would definitely need a retirement sale to get some more out of their equipment. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they so, have, that's the thing about those too. I mean, those retirement sales. I don't even use those as a comp when I'm looking up a value of a piece of equipment because it's that's a unit that's that's often some tropical yeah. island someplace where everybody's. You know. <laughs> See now, as an auctioneer on my side, I still like to have the live auction yeah. with the internet bidding. Every auction yeah. I have from this point forward forever will have internet bidding. However, yep. um, I get my next job from that. I'm yeah. uh, it's a it's a people business. Yeah. I like shaking hands. I like meeting people, and they're like, "Oh well, hey, you did a good job here. I want you to come work our sale." Yeah. And so I've hesitated going only online. Yeah. Um, now personal property, grandma's doilies, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Put it online. Why uh, have I, they gone to? Because there is a, several companies that have gone to just online, and I've only seen it mainly in in land. I guess you could say you know the big iron auctions are only online because they're not they're spread out. But like for a chunk of land, there are land companies that do it. So uh, you don't have to go there that day. We don't. We guarantee what our internet connection is for all the people abroad. Uh, another auctioneer told me once. He said, "However you sell it, Dave, they will come." Mm-hmm. However you offer it, if they want to buy the asset you have, they'll, they'll buy it. Tell them jump on one leg. Look at buyer's premiums. I have a 5% buyer's premium on this farm. If you want it, crap or get off the pot. 5% you know more. I want you to do that. In the next auction that you start off, I want you to tell people that you will only take a bid if they are hopping on one leg. Yeah. <laughs> Like you so can't, you somebody, can't, there's no sitting well, down, I don't your like nose. it though. You take the personal aspect out of it. I don't mind. I mean, obviously you're busy. You can't be there that day or you're out of the state online. But when I bid on one of your farms, because you couldn't get a bid and you threw out a 10 or $9,000 bid and I bid and then Dennis Allboss leans back in his chair and, you know, makes eye contact with me, <laughs> yeah. sent a message. I'm like, okay, fine. Yep. 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 All right. <laughs> You're worth $4 billion. And like it, you can, <laughs> you, you'll even see that where some of the big operators want the anonymity of online. They don't, yeah. they yeah. want to come to the live auction, but they don't want all now, the neighbors knowing that they're bidding against them. We've got a lot of ag corporations in this state, a yes. lot of individuals that grew into large farm businesses and they don't want to be seen bidding against their, their customers. customers. Yeah. yeah. I want to answer it in two facts, and then I want to get uh, kind of a wrap-up question on today's episode. So while you guys were talking about what it's like for turning an asset into cash, mm-hmm. and you might end up being upside down. So I knew that the statistic for the amount of land that's owned debt-free, it's 84%. 84% of Iowa farmland has no debt on it at all. The amount of equipment, it's almost a flip, oh, 180. Yeah. 72% has debt on the equipment, which is interesting because equipment depreciates, land appreciates. Wouldn't you want to carry debt on your land, but it's so much easier to get that note, put it into your, your equipment portfolio and move it forward. It's skewed because the landowners aren't necessarily the ones farming. Mm-hmm. Well, ah. and, so and there's potentially more farmers mm-hmm. in this machinery And the landowners category. are old. The average farm only trades hands every 60 plus years. How often do you trade equipment? There's a reason we don't have a loan on farmland. 
we haven't sold or bought new for 60 years. Right. We buy equipment a whole lot more often maybe, than that. Maybe those little old ladies that own the land should buy our equipment too, and then we'll just pay the $520 cash rent and we'll oh, get the equipment not a as bad well. idea. That <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to carry any of the debt. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it says yeah. here that the overall on average, according to Google, is 15 to 20 years for a tractor. Yep. Which is longer than I expected. Oh, never maintain tractor. Oh, yeah. yeah. How long can it last? Yep. Yep. So anyway, uh, now I want to get a, a 2024 prediction to kind of wrap wrap this up. We'll make our uh, guest go first. Uh, so what do you think we're going to see in the equipment market for 2024? You've kind of already hinted at a couple of things. So maybe summarize that and, and lay that out for us. Yeah, so I think 24 is going to be, you know, I'm looking at the marketplace now. And I, I think we're going to continue to see prices of equipment come down. I think we're going to continue that. I could, I could see a 20 to 25% reduction in, in value between the being a 24 and, and, and 20 and into 24 primarily because there's so much money still out there in 23, a lot of COVID money still laying around a lot of those kind of things they got to get kind of put back in place. I don't think the capital is going to be there that we've seen the last three years, uh, into 24. Um, when you're looking at how all of that kind of plays out, I don't think the economy is going to be bad. I don't think we're going to have a bad farm economy. I don't think that's that's what's going to drive that. Um, the stuff that's happening in Brazil um, with the drought and floods and everything else, and then uh, we see uh, with China coming back in and buying a bunch of stuff again, I, I think that's going to it's going to boost some stuff and it's going to put us in a better spot. Um, obviously, you know, interest rates are coming down. You know, so we're going to see some stuff there. So. I'm pretty positive about 24. I don't think it's going to be a runaway, you know, home run by any any stretch. But I think 24 is going to have a lot of correction built into it, um, in a lot of places. Equipment being one of them, and you're going to have if you're looking to buy a piece of equipment at 24, I think you're going to have a pretty good opportunity to buy something that'll get a good value. What do you think about the land market? <clears throat> so, I've uh, heard economists say that we're going to crash and burn like the 80s. I've heard other economists uh, economists say. We could be at $7 corn in two weeks. So here's the Iowa land guy's prediction. What economists say not? I, oh, Dale, Daryl's? Dave's? Yes. Uh, Doug, <laughs> yeah, Doug's? Doug's, yeah. Doug's prediction? <laughs> now, here, here's my prediction. I, I think the market is going to stay very strong. Last year, everybody said the same thing, that we were going to go down. We were going to see a correction. I think we're going to stay very strong. And here's some reasons for positive there. Is unlike a tractor, they make more of them. Farm ground, they do not. Mm -hmm. So if I don't win the tractor on Sullivan's auction, guess what? Next week, I can buy one on Steffes. Guess what? If I miss that one, I can buy it on Big Iron. Guess what? If I miss that one, I can buy it somewhere else. I only have one opportunity in the next 60 years, so my entire lifetime, to buy that farm. For that one reason, prices will stay strong. It's more of a competitive market than it is for farm machinery. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is, you just nailed it. 84% of farms are paid for free and clear in my neck of the woods anyway. For those of you listening outside of there, might be different in your state. I think the average is about 60 across the country. But even that, we're equity heavy. There is cash in the outliers everywhere. It's just got to be the right piece. So my prediction is good stuff is going to sell good. If it's good farm ground, it's it's square flat and black and beautiful, it will sell very well. Where you're going to see regression is in some of the uh, um, some of the hunting ground. Some of the hunting ground, some of the uh, uh, recreational stuff where it's not production agriculture, those are the guys that really rely on interest rates. I just want to borrow this so me and my wife can go out there and do whatever. Well, now it costs me more money. Mm-hmm. I, they're going to back off. They're going to back off. So I'm still very bullish. Yeah. Good. I like that. 
Well, I'm going to try and summarize this up, but I want you to be thinking, Casey, we're going to test out a new question. I don't know if I love this question yet, so you guys will have to see how this, this flies out. But I want to know what you enjoy the most about what you do. So when you think about that, I will summarize here while you put some thought into that. Okay. Uh, we were here. Uh, one of the first things we talked about today was we're probably out of that scarcity premium mindset. Corey's going to start his textbook writing for his kids when they get to high school and now read about the scarcity premium. The toilet paper law. The toilet paper law. Uh, <laughs> supply is starting to catch up. We learned that there's probably in that 10, 15, 20% of the population in agriculture buy brand new equipment and then it makes its way down the pipeline. It's just a matter of where do you fall if you're Corey and you're at the end of that road and you only buy worn out equipment. Oh, not quite. Uh, you, you can see where you fit, but we might have more opportunities this year in three to 400 horsepower or at least row crop tractors. Uh, that seems to be a market that could be potentially oversaturated. I already saw a little bit of a correction in the combine market. Those values are starting to come down. Uh, paying attention to the PUKs to see where that's going to fit. I did have a comment I didn't, didn't I wrote down and didn't get to say. Uh, Bauer bars for mm -hmm. planters. Didn't that guy sell out at the right time? Oh, man. You're not making any new bars. He built the bar too good. Now everybody wants to hang new row units off of an old Bauer bar. Okay. Uh, so an interesting side there. Looking at how smart our sprayers are going to get, what the future does when they, these dealers announce that you can't put a PUK on a 2015 sprayer or you can't uh, make a, a driverless tractor on something. What's that going to do with the equipment that's older than those thresholds? Um, we then talked with Dave uh, at the same time about land. Got to see how uh, all graphs can be manipulated to say whatever you want them to say. <laughs> that the market's steady. Yes. We're, not, we're not regressing a ton. Uh, we're certainly not seeing leaps and bounds ahead. Uh, we feel pretty good about where land is going to stay uh, as far as a firm foundation going into the next year. Cash rent. A large majority of those figures have increased mm -hmm. this year. Uh, unless Dave's your farm manager, he's the only one that will treat you fairly. That's right. Uh, keep cash rent <laughs> in that spot. Uh, but ultimately, on both sides of things, we're seeing retirement sales, estate sales. Uh, those are the majority of the liquidations. Might see a little bit more inventory, both on the real estate through listings, as well as sitting on dealer lots for equipment. So I uh, tried to wrap a lot of that all up. And ultimately, what are interest rates going to do? Because that'll probably drive most of the market. Three lowerings next year, right? That's a projection. Pro I got a projection, prediction, yeah. projection. There you go. I got an after question, question after you answer. Oh, okay. You're question. doing my stuff. Okay. So, what's your, what's the favorite part about what you're doing, Casey? I love following trend lines. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I, I like just seeing where things are going to go. It gives me a chance to talk to guys like you that, that give me. Uh, doing that podcast and stuff that I do, moving on podcasts the way I do it, uh, keeps me keeps me in the loop of what's going on. So I, I think it's just that, you know, I'm, I'm not a farm kid. I didn't grow up on a farm. I, I hauled hay one summer. So that was, uh, so the fact that I'm this much of a nerd about farm equipment always kind of strikes me funny. But it's one of those deals where I enjoy tracking and see where things are going and trying to trying to guess what the future is going to hold. So that's that's probably one of my favorite things to do. With this, with this thing that I'm doing now, I love it. Do you think um, that uh, we always we always need to spend money? Sure. We're always going to buy something <clears throat> new, and we a lot of farmers have uh, tax problems if they if if they had good good prices. I wondered 
if we're not going to see an increase in equipment prices. And the reason that I think that is I can't now afford $1.8 million for the new farm. But by golly, I could buy a new $400,000 or something or other. Mm -hmm. So I still need to spend some money so I don't have to pay Uncle Sam. But uh, now we might see other things like tile or we might see, you know, nutrient management going in or something of that nature. But equipment is a necessary evil for farming. Sure. So if we're going to have to spend money, will we upgrade? So will we see prices? Will we see more people transition from, well, I guess I can't buy that farm this year. Let's go buy the new sprayer. Yeah. You know, I think the, the funny thing about the equipment is a trend that I've seen kind of happen more and more is that, especially with the way input costs have gotten, um, that there are a lot more people concerned about locking in what their input costs are going to be for the cup coming year. And then if they have still have money left over, they'll come look at that piece of equipment. Oh, take out the variability. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, they can, the inputs. yeah. So there, I see a lot more people locking inputs in and then coming in and buying, buying the piece of equipment that they're looking for. Um, the amount of equipment that's out there, there there's a, supplies outpacing demand right now. Okay. And I think that's going to, that's going to drive some of that, that down. Very good. I like yeah. that. Well, good. It was our pleasure having you sit in the studio love, for the first I love time. This, man. Yep. You want to issue one of the first challenges of 2024? Yeah, it was uh, just go check out the Moving Iron podcast. We're a fan of podcasts, whether they're ours or other people in AGS or not AGS. So yeah. go check it out. They they're, do good work, and they will dive in to all these subjects in a much, much deeper fashion than we did. So. I like it. Yep. Appreciate well, it. Thank you so much, listeners. Welcome to the new studio. Uh, watch on YouTube because you're going to see the transformation unfold behind us. Uh, as we get more done. But until next time, have a good one. Remember, if you aren't farming for profit, you won't be farming for long.